Welcome to our podcast, Today is Weird. We are your hosts, Rhea and Alex. Two friends living in the mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, talking about how intuition operates and when things get weird. Weird. Hello, welcome to this latest episode of Today is Weird. I'm Alex. I'm Rhea. As you just heard in our intro as well. Uh, We are practicing social isolation, so I am at my house um, on my phone uh, in Swannanoa. Rhea is at her house in Maggie Valley. Uh, We both have dog interactions going on, so pardon any of those interruptions, uh, shakes or barks (laughs) that may happen as we're going through all this. Today's topic is tools. Yeah. Yeah. So... I wanted to kind of, like, it's interesting because um, one of the ways I think about tools, well, in general, is this idea, um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite yoga instructors, Brian Kess, talks about this, where he's like, you can have a knife and just hold it, and you could cut something with it, a piece of bread with it, or you could kill someone with it, (laughs) Mm. which is like this idea, this concept that a tool is something that it's kind of like what you make of it. It's how you can invent it into something. Um, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about what the definition of a tool is, how to utilize them in the spiritual realm um, of life. Um, so Rhea, what is a tool to you? What do you, yeah. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because I do feel like a tool can be almost anything. And Hearing you speak, I was reminded of MacGyver, and (laughs) my dad and brother, you were obsessed with that show when I was younger. My brother even had a mullet for a while, just like the lead. But that idea of creating um, a tool out of anything, you know, in a strapped situation, what do you have access to and what can we use for that? So, you know, obviously, I... It is kind of what's in your tool belt. What do you have in your mind already that you can call upon to use in a moment? Or just, you know, tapping into maybe it's just the tool is asking for a tool. The tool is knowing that you can ask for something else, something that will serve the moment um, more immediately and more uh, be more relevant to whatever you're going through. But yeah, I think it really depends. I mean, it can be a physical thing. It can be um, a mental thing. It can be an emotional. For me, most of mine really operate internally. Um, and of course, they're kind of different depending on if I'm alone or if I'm in public. Um, but I would say anything that helps you handle uh, your environment or your current state of mind or being, um, I'd say that's a tool. Perfect. So the other thing I think of too is like, um, you know, a lot of times I'll see this in, in readings and I think you probably see this as well with your clients, which is this idea like, um, of someone who is utilizing the same tool for everything. So I'll joke around and be like, okay, well, you know, like a hammer hits a nail, right? It also can release a nail right from the wall or something like that, but like it can't flip a pancake. And so you're trying to flip a pancake with a, with a hammer. Like it's like the analogy of that as well. So, um, I, I want you to expand a little bit on like when you talked about like an emotional tool or just like going into like different places of like how you check in to know what to use when. Yeah. So, I mean, so much of the work that I've really started to lean into is helping clients develop their own tools. So I will say that a lot of them are personal. And so 
I'll share some of mine and the zine that I wrote um, and kind of published with my friend that's an artist, Garnet Fisher, has so many of the different tools that I actually do use. Um, a lot of them are visualizations, and so that's kind of what I mean in the emotional space or the mental space. Uh, and I can go into a little bit more on what those look like. But for me with clients, the most important step is to create that breath right after something happens um, or in the midst of something happening that you can have a reaction. So, and I'm sorry, not, not to react, but to respond. So it's that idea of creating space so that you can start creating that muscle memory of you tuning into yourself when you're feeling something. Uh, or you're experiencing something. So you start, the first tool is to remember that you have tools, right? That you can access different things or kind of come up with something in the moment. And then the different tools really depend on what you're experiencing. So I think, you know, certain things can be triggered, like when trauma is triggered or emotional trigger. Um, I really try to do certain things that are in the moment if I'm with someone, like obviously breathing, taking a breath, really checking in and being like, what is this feeling? What is it coming from? Is it mine? I mean, being an empath, I actually end up taking on a lot of other people's feelings and triggers and um, a lot of times they're not even mine. So really sorting that out first is a great tool and a first step. Um, but then if you, you know, thinking Really, I try to think from my stomach, that area uh, in the visualization, if you listen to that, I kind of guide you to and moving your consciousness down to that part right around your navel, because that really centers you in yourself and is able to say, what is actually going on? What am I feeling? And what do I need right now to make myself feel better? So that's how it can be an emotional tool. And then it's just really, what do you feel drawn to in the moment? Do you need to think of a color and that's going to make you feel better? Do you need to think of, you know, kind of like in Harry Potter with the, I think it's the Dementors, right? Where you like think of the, you know, someone that you love so uh, intensely and that helps pull, it, it actually fights that darkness. There's different ways to handle it in the moment. And I think the biggest um, advice I'd give is just to start accessing that and figuring out what your tools are. And then, you know, I'll, I'll give some examples that are, are just points to start from. Like I have a squirrel that I'll call upon that connects my worries like nuts. Or um, when I'm walking in the woods and I'm scared there's a snake, I have this like cobra snake thing that I call upon to go around and like touch in to make sure that I, there's not going to be a snake because I have this irrational fear around stepping on a snake. Um, if I'm kind of going into um, an intense environment or I've been in a restaurant where it's been really hectic and I feel like there's just a lot going on and I'm kind of at my max, right? I'll go to the car, sit in the car and put on, you know, Enya or something, <laughs> something, or I'll put on like a crazy song that I sing to and singing can really help like shake a lot of that off. So I think it depends on the situation. Like, if you're triggered or is it just a vibe that you're feeling like how are the what is the weirdness I guess is the first thing to kind of sort out and then from there understanding what you've got in your toolbox to to work with what's going on what the weirdness is yeah so uh, you know and I one one acknowledgement point is I just want to acknowledge your love for Enya everyone take a so moment. strong it's very strong <laughs> I, I, I'm one of her top listeners on Spotify and uh, my, really yeah. proud of it. Oh, my God, I love it. Mm -hmm. My mom loved Enya growing up, so it just, like, makes me think of, like, like oh, right, like, Enya. And every time you're like, I'm going to play some Enya and chill out. 
It's not like my metaphor for that vibe. And there's only so a few good. songs that I really listen to, but um, yeah, they're solid. Or, She's know, amazing. You think about like, do, 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 mm. you know that song? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so good. Okay, I just did a terrible uh, reprise. Sorry, Anya. It's okay. That song. I appreciate um, it. Okay, so what I hear you say too, like in all of this, that I want to, um, is that this is a practice you've cultivated. So I would love, I think, like, I would love to hear how you cultivated this practice because this is definitely a practice that's something that sounds like you utilize every day just in the sense of, like, working with different energies, being an empath. So, like, how did you cultivate this? Like, so intuitively I think of it as, like, you have – you don't wear a tool belt. You basically have, uh, like – this like shelf of tools that you can just like magically like the wardrobe appears and you're like, I need this tool. Thank you. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's like it follows you and you have that um, available to you and everybody works with it differently, but it's like, how did you cultivate that practice? Yeah. And you know, I think I went through some of it in my rant about myself and the episode about myself, but (laughs) (laughs) it, (laughs) it really spurred from need. I was starting to, you know, just be energetically depleted. I get um, really terrible headaches when I'm kind of at energetic overload, when I have too much stimulus coming into my system. And the more that I was doing personal work and therapy, the more that it was kind of opening up the floodgates for the stuff to come in. So it was demanding that I needed tools ASAP. Like I had to figure it out. So a lot of it was drawing upon um, talking to my mother who has been, you know, a spiritual mentor for me her my whole life, uh, her whole life. <laughs> um, you know, asking around different people that were kind of intuitive or energetic. But for me, so much of it, what it became was using my imagination and getting creative and whatever suited what I needed right then. And so that's why I think it's really accessible to anyone to start figuring it out. And what I really had to train myself to do was, like I was saying, create that space for for me to, in a moment, and it's really honestly creating the nervous system strength in a way to be able to say, okay, wow, I'm feeling something and I'm going to hold that for a second and check in with myself and try to get curious about what am I feeling? Where is it coming from? Is this even belong to me? You know, what can I do to help it? Am, am I in a space that I can go into a dark room? I remember when I was in New York City, I had this crazy job that when I would get overwhelmed, I would just go into the bathroom and turn the light off and just sit there for like a minute. <laughs> You know, that's where it started. And then my mom had certain visualizations of like imagining a beautiful waterfall that's kind of rushing through the top of your head that's flushing out any of that like static, any of that shadowy stuff. Any So I started getting kind of visuals and different tools that I could start from. And then I think you were really the one that was helping me because I would go to grocery stores and I just couldn't cope. Like I couldn't even, literally. I would get so overwhelmed. I would kind of shut down. A lot of it was social anxiety, which I know now, but then I couldn't really parse it because I never had it before in my life. It just started coming up all of a sudden when I was no longer pretending to be someone that I wasn't. A lot of vulnerability came in. And so I had to figure out these tools, how to become confident and taking some advice on some things that are very mainstream, like power poses, you know, or um, ways that people kind of fake it until you make it. Like a lot of that embodiment, I was trying to translate that into 
how can I shift what I'm feeling right now? You know, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, how can I do that? And a lot of it was also I was tuning into guides, which I know we have the episode on, and kind of expanding upon how can I connect with them? How can I add new guides in? Like, you know, I I did a program where I got that snake that I mentioned earlier kind of came to me and it felt really apt because it was a moment that I was walking around and scared of stepping on snakes. And now whenever I'm walking, that's something that is a tool that I use. So so much of it is remembering in the moment that you have a way to handle yourself and to be more in balance and to, you know, it's that whole phrase of like, you can't change anyone else. You can only change yourself. And, you know, the hula hoop around you that no matter what's happening, you're responsible for how you react and starting to realize why you're reacting that way. You know, a lot of it's just learning from therapy and, and, how can I better myself and be more balanced and healthy, like mindset, body, body, you know, everything, emotions. And I just started getting creative instead of doing um, the mainstream things. Like, how can I do little visualizations right now? What will change my mood right now? Or what will shift this thing for me right now? So that's kind of how I started cultivating it. And then I just got this treasure trove and I keep doing it. But I also forget. I'm a human. I forget. Uh-huh. It's it's a discipline and it really is creating that muscle that in the moment you're like, oh wait, that's right. I have tools for this. Um, but I, I get moments where I don't listen and I max myself out and then I get that terrible headache that is really, really hard to come back from. So even with no matter how many visualizations, Reiki, anything that I do, it's really hard for me to shake out of that space. So it's the discipline that when you're starting to feel a little bit off, it's like, how can I switch that? How can I work with that? And what tools do I have right now? What's my environment? Can I go into my car and shut the door? Or do I have to stand here for the next hour and figure it out? Um, you know, I was I was in a theater once watching some, I think it was, I don't know, some musician with my mother. And the air started getting so heavy, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I, like, wanted to get out, but it would have been very rude and it, it just would have been impossible for me to get out because there were so many people in the uh, in the aisle. And so I had to come up with something in the moment to try to shift that energy. You know, it's just creating those moments for yourself and realizing that you can use yourself as the tool box, I guess, or, you know, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, like sometimes you are the tool. <laughs> yeah, you are the tool, literally, yeah. Or just, yeah, doing some of the work where it's like, okay, what's a part of myself I can talk to this about? Like, is it my shadow? Is it my ego? Creating different characters in myself that I can talk to and deal with an emotion because a lot of it was I, you know, maybe it's my Scorpio moon. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of intensity and I have a lot of emotional kind of stuff that I didn't want to bring to other people and it didn't feel healthy to bring to other people. So how can I handle that myself? How can I create different conversations in my own head that are healthy and, you know, don't make me feel crazy, but actually help me feel empowered? Like I'm in control and I've got this and I can figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because too, like, as you're talking, a few things come up that I want to address. One of which is like, the role of imagination and all of this, because I think imagination gets this like bad reputation for being well imaginary or like <laughs> and childish like, yeah. that are childish or not real. And so I want to touch on that, but I also want, it's like interesting because we're connected and I've done um, a few readings and you've done Reiki across your records with me. As you're talking about that example, I can like go into that time and space wise. And I'm like, 
oh, hey, past Rhea, and I'm like, let's clear this even more. Like, you can go back into, like, time and space doesn't exist the way we think it does. And so it's like, even if you have a moment where you're like, oh, my gosh, I can't move, I can't leave, it would be rude. Like, oh, shit, there's something on me. I'm in my car now. What do I do? Uh, Like, we can go down, like, a spiral of things, and it's like, hey, just talk to your past self. Like, go back and be like, hey, past Rhea, how's it going? Hi, I'm just going to, like, dust off this area. Perfect, lovely, thank you. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, like, and I was, like, in there with you, and I was just, like, clearing the space. Like, you know, like, oh, here we go. Yep, okay, we took care of that. Okay, perfect. Like, uh, you know, and, like, that, like, is happening in my intuitive brain as my, like, listening prefrontal cortex brain is, like, listening to you as you're talking, too, because, um, that's what's so beautiful about these tools is like we're they fold into our gifts. And so totally. that's two things I wanted to kind of address with that too is like this idea of how you utilize your imagination and what you think of your imagination as like what it is and then also how you utilize your gifts which you've touched on. So I want to just acknowledge that but also like going into that a little bit deeper. Okay, yeah. Well, and I, you know, I resonate with what you're saying and the way that you were even operating while listening. And and so much of this even cultivating tools is kind of listening to that, that Buddhist mindset of the, what is it, the, the two selves, like there's the one self that watches the other self. Oh, yeah. Right? Yes. So the minute you can start separating parts of yourself a little bit, and you can kind of start to have conversations and be in control. And so much of it is that. Um And I think that's how the imagination really came through was just allowing for another part of myself to show up. Like you can get so caught up in your own mind and this rational thought process that you don't allow for other things to have space. And so the minute you start creating space for it and really allowing for it to do whatever it's going to do, you can kind of filter through. And sometimes it's like you have an idea and it's like, no, that's not going to work. Or like, ah, that's dark and scary. Please no. But direct, you know, directing your thoughts to being like, what would really help right now? And then you you really work that muscle so you're so much easier at it that in a moment you can say like, oh, I need a tool. What is it? Is it something already in my toolbox or is it a new one? And as far as my gifts, I mean, this is the thing. I don't know what my gifts are. <laughs> Do any of us really? I mean, it's... it's I challenge that. <laughs> uh, I challenge I mean, you to a tool. <laughs> I mean, I do in a lot of ways, but it also sometimes, you know, a gift can be having strong intuition or, you know, Reiki is a gift and and that is the gift of touch, right? Um, And nourishing someone through touch, but it also can be cultivated. Somebody could be trained in it, but someone could also come to it very naturally. A lot of gifts also, like one of my gifts, I feel like is holding space, but how, you know, how do you figure out that's your gift? How do you define that? It's not like something that, you know, your some of your gifts, Alex, are very obvious. You see spirits. <laughs> That's an obvious one, right? So for me, it's been a little bit interesting, more of a journey to figure out that. But this is also the thing. I don't know. I, I only exist in my head um, and in my life, and I really try to relate to others and empower them um, in a way that I understand and translates, but it could operate completely different for someone else. You know, I'm sure there's people out there that don't have access to the kind of imagination that I do or have cultivated. Um, so I, it really, I don't know, uh, you know, so how do I use my gifts in that? I think, um, really in helping hold space for other people to figure out what it is, uh, has been a huge part of my journey and what I really love doing and offering now. Um, 
but as far as cultivating in myself, so much of it was more just how do I open up to myself and yeah, create this kind of autonomy. Um, and a lot of it was this intention that I wanted to rely on myself more than anything else. And so how do you develop the tools to be able to do that all day? Um, and yeah, I mean like inner child work, shadow work, there's all these things that kind of spurred different thought processes and opened up different avenues that then my imagination flooded in and created all these other things in there. I mean, how has it, how has it worked for you? We haven't even talked about you yet. Like how does your, what, how did your toolbox develop? Yeah, I mean, so one thing I want to note, too, is, like, it sounds like to me, like, you have a, a, a gift that is, well, this is so, like, this is probably going to, it's going to be kind of oversimplified, but a gift of utilizing your imagination as a resource and a tool. <laughs> Maybe. So it's like, understanding and unpacking this, like, imaginative little orb that you have that you can utilize, um, you know, this is why when people are like, I don't have much of an imagination, I'm like, oh, yeah, because how I translate that is you're not in touch with your intuition in the ways you want to be, because it's like our imagination is such an inroad to that, Mm -hmm. and so it sounds like it's something that's been, like, this lifelong companion for you, that you're able to kind of be like, hey, buddy, come on out, I need you right now, and it's like, <laughs> well, I wasn't um, like that as a kid. I mean, I really wasn't yeah. one of those like creative, imaginative kids. I, I, I don't know. So, you know, I wasn't one of those that's like, oh, God, that's an artist. You know, I wasn't one of those kind of imagination people. It's really something I cultivated. And I think a lot of it came through some modeling and kind of examples that I built upon that came from my mom or came from different situations. Yeah, like even the power pose, like that's kind of using your imagination that you're powerful in order to feel powerful. So it's just, it's kind of building upon those things that already existed. But I love this because what you're what you're also referring to is the myth of gifts, which is this idea that it's somewhere (laughs) deep inside the woods that you're going to like dig up and find and be like, I found my gifts, everyone. Like it's cultivated over time. It's cultivated in the quiet spaces of your life. And sometimes it's not overt. Sometimes it's like. Oh, like, you know, I'll even have in readings where people are like, oh, that's a gift. I'm like, yeah, you, people don't operate like this. You operate like this. Like, they, mm. like, slide in. <laughs> well, and, and it's not necessarily like, something you can make money off of, right? Which is right. what so much of us in our uh, culture are, being, are like, oh, it's a gift? Great. This is what I'm going to be good at that I can make money off of. Not right. necessarily. I love what you described in that it's what makes you you. That's that makes sense to me. Yeah. But anyway, we haven't talked about your toolbox. I want to know about your toolbox. Yeah, so it's very similar to yours in the sense that um you know, when I was uh, younger, in my teens, but mainly in my 20s, I got really chronic migraines. Um and because I didn't have like, you know, you work with what you have. And so the tools I had were, uh, there weren't podcasts back then. <laughs> Not that I'm that old, but there weren't. Uh, so <laughs> so the tools that I had was like, okay, I'm going to go to this like intensely hot yoga and fumble around in the dark and try to, um, you know, like match my nervous system basically. And when I feel like we're in this space of matching our system, we, it's, it's simply a reflection that we aren't finding the resource or the tool that we need to Mm. um it simply means i'm drinking a coca-cola in the desert rather than um you know water (laughs) like it's like 
it's like understanding the connection of that. So like when I was younger, I really didn't have, um, this speaks to language. Um, language is really important to me around this because I, as a medium and am a translator in that sense, like, and so for me, it was like, I didn't have the language and I didn't have the tool and it took a lot of work through orthobiotomy, things like that to really open up to be like, okay, these are, these are my gifts, you know, like this is something that I've always had with me. Um, you know, I had an orthobiotomy mentor that was like, um, I saw her like once every few years for workshops and, you know, and she said, when I finally introduced myself, like I'm Alex, you always introduce yourself. I'm Alex. I grew up in Northern Virginia. Da, da, da. You know, I work here. Da, da, da. I practice orthobiotomy. And I said, and I'm a psychic medium. <laughs> and like, all these people had watched my struggle to say that and they started clapping and they were like, and my mentor goes, she goes, so it's like, you know, earlier when I saw you about a year ago, it's like you took, you had that coat off on the ground and you were kicking it around and you were like, Ugh, I'm not putting this on. She's like, your coat's on, you're wearing it, you're doing it. Like, and it's like that kind of feeling where it's like, all this whole world opened up to me when I accepted this part of this part of myself. And so it's interesting because I think our tools come in and shift and come in at right timing because let's say at age four, I had been given those tools when I moved into a house that had lots of entities and all of a sudden I was able to, you know, like my life path would have just been completely different. My lessons would have been completely different. Instead, I chose fear. I was afraid and I didn't have the resources from, from my parents, which was all how it was meant to be, right? you know, like, and I remember when I first started practicing readings and close my eyes and do stuff, one of my first instincts, one of my first things was like, why haven't I done this before? This is so, like, I find them so, to be so much fun, engaging. I mean, I'm having, like, I'm sitting down and having a deep conversation with the essence and the world of people. Like, if someone told me, like, hey, this can be your job, I would have been like, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, this sounds like a dream job. Like, it, it feels like that. And so I think the more I dive into this, the more it's like, okay, I need a tool. I need to be readily available. Also, the more if I have just done, let's say I've just done, I, I capped it at three clients a day. And I put time in between, but let's say I've had three readings and then I go to the grocery store as we both, we both Enneagram for <laughs> the grocery store. Um, but, you know, like, it can feel intense. Like, my my system is turned off from things. I'm not seeing people's grandparents. I'm not, not tapping into their energy because, again, ethics, I, I, I don't do that. I But I do tap into the safety of my system. And sometimes, like, I'll just be like, this, the energy in here is just bananas, you know. And, you know, fear energy, this isn't like rocket science. This isn't news. The fear energy, we buy more. You know, fluorescent lighting, right. all of it, music, like it's, it's, it's in a book. Why we buy, like it's right there. Like we buy when we're in a certain atmosphere and when it comes to food, that's our base, right? Mm -hmm. That's our survival. And so you just, there's a lot of, of elements to that, to where you have to really like, you know, like to be honest, like my system goes into flight. Like, I just want to go, like, yeah. I'm like, get me out of here. How can I, I always take the basket. And I don't take the cart. If I take a cart, I feel like I have to be, I'm going to be there for like five hours. <laughs> you know, like it's like the psychology of all of this is so silly. But like if I have the basket and I go and I'll have people that ha I've had several people come up to me like, isn't that heavy? And I'm like, oh, I'm not getting a cart. <laughs> well, so what is like, your tool in no. that situation? Because I go into a grocery store 
And if I'm starting to feel that, I'll run, like, you know, a protection spiral or I'll put on my imaginary hazmat suit, which I've mentioned yeah. in a previous episode that has a Darth Vader um, breathing capability that <laughs> <laughs> filters out everything. Um, but what it, what are your tools in the grocery store, for example? Yeah, I mean, same thing. I run spirals a lot. I do that. Um, uh, a physical tool, uh, when I play indoor tennis, same thing, fluorescent lighting. I wear my blue blocker glasses yes. um, because that helps. Blue light is, you know, when I fly on airplanes, blue blocker glasses. And, and that it, they just help my nervous system not get so upregulated by the lighting. Like, it's like, it's like it takes things from, like, an 8 or, you know, volume while flying is, like, an 11, but and down to, like, a 4, where I'm, like, cool, I can manage this, and then I can discharge or release it later, you know, totally. um, because, you know, and, and then it, it's, like, harder and, and, like, no, this is nothing against, obviously, fellow intuitives, but if I'm in the grocery store and my system starts to track a little, I'm, like, oh, there's a fellow to intuitive in the grocery store, or there's a narcissist, there's those two options, uh, <laughs> And, like, my system starts to track a little bit, and I'm like, hey, no tracking right now. Like, we're good. We're in and out. Don't worry about it. Like, do not – do not uh, – uh, machinery does not need to be operated right now, you know, because empaths, we have a deep, deep tracking system. It was what makes us beautiful at holding space, but talk about a tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, like, there it is. Uh, so, um, you know – there, there is that the, those capacities as well that I'm aware of, but don't need to go into unless I'm in a reading. And this is helpful because I do this, and for you too, we do these things professionally. Yeah. So the boundary is so clear. When I have clients who are like, "What do I do? How do I manage this? My gifts? How do I manage this with the, what tools?" You know, I like admit I'm like I have a really clear tool, which is that I professionally do this, mm. you know? So I was like, so maybe start professionally doing this, <laughs> you know, or like understand when it's you, when it, when you want to utilize it. And then when you're like, I'm going to turn this off now. Thank you. Right. Boundaries. Yeah. Boundaries are huge. And even, you know, kind of what you're saying with the tracking is something that I was thinking of as you're talking is that I have some tools that don't work that great for me <laughs> that yeah. I still use. Like I will use food to ground me if I'm not paying attention and I'm not listening to my body and doing it another way. I will just be like a zombie and make a whole bunch of rice and eat a whole bunch of rice to try to ground myself. That's a tool. It works. Sometimes it's nourishing and I'm like consciously like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to allow it. But could I do, could I use a different tool and it, um, operate better for me? Absolutely. So that's something interesting to consider too. Like you probably are already using tools in a lot of different ways, like even reaching out to a friend and trying to connect with them when you're kind of freaking out, you know, sometimes that's great. And those people can really be there for you and support you. Sometimes it's toxic, but that's a tool that you're using. So is the tool working for you in the way that you really want it to? or um, that you're happy about. Um, that may be something to kind of consider when looking into tools. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's also about, like, updating your technology. Like, do we, you know, like, I'll work with clients who, you know, and I'm not a parent, so I just want to say that, but, like, who's, like, dad is, like, working with tools from when he was five. Yeah. Like, his coping mechanisms and his angry, I'm like, it's like he's five years old. So I was like, you have to meet him where he's five, or 
or, you know, like it's up to him to evolve from this. But like a lot of times people don't update their technology and then they utilize tools. You know, like I think of that too, like adults throw temper tantrums. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you utilize this when you were three. Perfect. You're 40. (laughs) Right. How can you like go scream in a room? Right. Like, is it the best tool in the toolbox? Like, mm-hmm. can you update this? Because, you know, now we have iPhones. You don't need to talk on a wall phone with a cord, you know? like <laughs> You can if you, you want can, to. <laughs> I mean, you can. Yeah, go for it. My parents still have a, uh, a landline. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, talking on landlines all the time. Like, it, it makes, it, it was the tool that was utilized for communication then, and now we've evolved into new technology. It's the same thing with these tools. They want to evolve with you. Right. Um, so we talked a little bit about this with, like, how to cope and, like, rebalance a little bit. And so I just wanted to, to like, dive, too, into, like, and how you connect in when you're triggered. And you talked a little bit about this, but just like diving deeper into this sense of like, when we are in this space where we're like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Um, and how you kind of like find tools in that oh shit moment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's not always graceful, right? And sometimes it <laughs> is a bit awkward to even, a lot of it for me was training myself not to react immediately in the moment and just say what, uh, you know, they wanted me to say or what I, because I am an empath and I, you know, rising Libra, whatever, explain it however you want. I often will just cater to whatever the moment is and try to find balance in the moment and often sacrifice myself. Um, so a lot of it is just, okay, hold on, take a breath. It doesn't matter if there's a pause in the conversation. I remember I watched... I was watching Allie McBeal at some point, and there's this crazy, funny lawyer that takes a moment, and it's very dramatic pause often before he speaks. But it's it was beautiful, and it inspired me in such a way where it's okay. Just say, hold on, I need a moment, and you can breathe. You know, I a lot of my French friends do this. They kind of they pause before they speak. They really let themselves form their thought before they speak. And so I think using that in a moment trying to create that pregnant pause, if you will, and holding that tension, or just really serving yourself first, like learning how to do that. Um, And again, it depends on the moment. A lot of people may have serious trauma be triggered, and in that sense, again, it's just whatever is okay with you is okay. And if you create a situation where, you know, you have to leave in a huff and it gets messy, that's okay. You can always text that person later and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I had a serious moment and I just needed to get out there. You can clear it up later. Um, I think a lot of it for me was learning just to let things be messy, which was very hard for me at first. Um, But it really is, yeah, if you're experiencing a serious trauma, figure out what that need is and it may be a higher need that you can't necessarily fix yourself. You may need a professional or, or someone that is able to really ground you. But for the most part, just in that moment, uh, and I'm still working on it, right? There's still some conversations I have with people that I'm so caught up in the moment, I can't even feel what I'm really feeling until after I leave the room. And that's often how it is for me because it's hard to hold space, especially in the middle of a conversation, if you're triggered while still being in your triggered, you know, in your in yourself, but still participating in the conversation. Um so it takes a lot of practice, but a lot of it is, yeah, you know, for me, going back into my car, 
realizing, whoa, like letting myself really feel the thing. I think a lot of it then, if I were to explain it a little better, is to put a pin in it. So when you're feeling something in the moment with someone, how can you kind of tuck that away somewhere that's not burying it, but just like, ooh, I can't feel into that right now. Push that to the side a bit, and I'm going to revisit that later. And when you're at home taking a bath or when you're in the car and playing nice music like Enya, you know, how can you... (laughs) How can you tune into what this feeling really is? And like, whoa, even, you know, using therapy methods, how do you track it back to the first time you felt that thing? Why are you feeling that thing? Why were you triggered by this thing? How can you, how can you fix it? So some of my main tools, well, actually, we should talk maybe a little bit of the differences of, of triggers because a fear trigger, for me, it's so much, you know, I'm a splenic projector, um, a splenic authority projector. And so I kind of have this spidey sense, and it also goes into my empath- empathy, where I can kind of sense what other people are feeling, and oftentimes I take it as my own. So a lot of that for me is checking into like, whoa, if this is a fear trigger, first of all, is this even mine? So I, I kind of connect with myself, maybe take a deep breath, move that consciousness to the base of my stomach and really tune in, maybe do a grounding exercise, like roots growing out of your feet and kind of taking any negativity out through the roots and just feel, okay, is this mine or is this not mine? If it's mine, how can I create space for it? How can I clear that out? Is it something that I can imagine like a beautiful cloud coming and taking the fear with it or softening the fear? Um, If it's not mine, how can I create a boundary against it? So how can I create myself in a bubble that then that fear doesn't, you know, come in or put on your hazmat suit, um, do a spiral of protection. So energy moves in through your left side and out through your right side, which is the whole yin yang um, receptive, you know, receptive um, on the left and then masculine and active on the right. So if you imagine a counterclockwise spiral, kind of like a tornado, like you're in the middle of a tornado, that can kind of swirl a protection. It can also swirl like the Tasmanian devil, take all that silt and dirt away from you and take it with it. There's different ways to do kind of cleansing and protection around that thing. And then a lot of times when I get home, it's like, whoa, I just brought a whole bunch of stuff home with me that's not mine. So how can you do the um, the, the different cleansing uh, exercises? So like the waterfall that I mentioned earlier, or I often will put like a vacuum tube kind of at the base of my neck and the top of my spine that I imagine just sucking out all of the dirt and grime or like sludge, you know, and I keep doing that until I feel like it's completely gone. And that's using a bit of my intuition, a bit of my imagination again, but just creating these visualizations of shifting it, Uh, but really just touching in with yourself and saying, what do I need right now? And it may be you want to listen to a song, it may be a color, it may be, you know, um, you want to go and hold a crystal. Uh, It could be so many different things that you feel drawn to, and it's really learning how to trust yourself and open up to what you really need and putting that as like a top priority. Yeah, I love it. I love all of that. Cool. I mean, I could talk about tools all day. I have so many. (laughs) So many written down. Well, and one thing I wanted to just say real quick is the projector splenic is human design for people who want to look up human design. Yes, sorry. I would hear, no, I would just hear that and be like, what did she just, projector? What was that like? But, um, 
you know, human design is like a really great tool. <laughs> so I wanted to integrate yes. that. Um, you know, one thing you're talking about with the vacuum and kind of clearing out the sludge and clearing things out is, and one thing we wanted to talk about, because this is a podcast about intuition, but also like, what do you do when things get weird and spooky? <laughs> yeah. So I think maybe I've touched on this a little bit before, maybe in my personal episode, but I have, you know, again, because I kind of had to and just taught myself how to in the moment have figured out how to do entity work, which I think is the weirdest and spookiest moments probably where, you know, I've been in my house. Oftentimes it's when you wake up in the middle of the night and you feel like someone's watching you or standing behind you. (laughs) You know, even talking about it's pretty spooky. Um, So your bed is shaking. Right. Well, that's actually never happened to me. For me, it's always kind of this sense. I know that that did happen to you when you were younger. Um, but you know, in teaching, talking to a couple of different of my teachers and how to handle it, I first was taught to kind of yell at them and be like, get out, you don't belong here. Um, that kind of thing, which I later realized, uh, does not work. (laughs) It makes them very mad. And a lot of times, um, you know, in any situation, even if you are at a grocery store or somewhere that's not a grocery store and you run into someone that has really dark energy and they look into your eyes, right? That's one moment that I get really pierced and like my whole body's like, whoa, whoa. Um, how do you handle it? For me, it's either like figuring out how to cope, just figure out how to be in the moment and how to get to your car as fast as you can. And then like cleansing, washing your system of that, not allowing for that to get attached to you or to come home with you. Or if you really start being able to hold that nervous system, it's smiling at them and completely like, oh, I'm echoing on your phone a bit. Okay. Sorry. Um, Completely uh, like rejecting the energy by shifting it and putting something positive on top of it instead. So with the entities that, or whatever we want to call it, I don't even really like that word, with the energies that come into my room at night that often feel really dark. I mean, I've had one that was literally sitting on my chest, like, as if it was, and it was trying to choke me, which was very scary. Um, It's like, hey, you know, what do you want? Do you want to go to the light? Uh, What can I do for you? Do you have a message for me? Are you stuck in this house? Like, when did you attach to me? What are you trying to teach me? What's what's going on? Why are you being scary? You know, and for the most part, they will start to lighten up. They won't be as scary. They'll say, yes, please, I'm, sca- I'm scared or I'm sad. You know, it's kind of that sixth sense thing where they just want help and they don't know how to be loud enough for you to see them. And by fear, that's a way for them to get in and that's a way that you pay attention. So um, that often shifts it, but sometimes it doesn't work. So... I have like a escalator, imaginary escalator in my house that's like sends things to the light. Sometimes I'll come home and I'll be like, you know what? I don't know. It feels a little weird in here. I'll tap in and there's like 30 different energies that want to leave, which is a lot. And I just imagine them all going in the escalator. I kind of do a spiral around my house and feel like it's clean. When it gets really heavy... I'm like, you know what? You don't belong here. I call on my guides. I hold all my crystals. I like, you know, for, I kind of pray, if you will. I keep imagining them getting out um, and then creating a bubble, like a vortex around my house that's protection and they can't come in. Um, so sometimes you kind of have to pull in the big guns, but it's also just in the moment, like if you feel like you're interacting with a psychic vampire, you know, someone that's just sucking your energy or 
is kind of just feels, makes you feel a little weird. Just imagining that your whole system is covered with like a slick um, gold oil that like their stuff can't stick to you. It's like water off a duck's back. It just slides off and it just leaves. It can't attach to you. Um, I mean, again, I feel like I go on these rants when I get kind of in the mode. There's so many different things. I also physical... I mean, uh, the history of sacred smoke, saging, palo santo, um, anything like a gong or tinctures can really help clear energy. But I will say that a lot of times, and what I've kind of learned and been taught is that if there is an energy in the room that doesn't want to leave, um, you doing those sounds actually, again, angers them and kind of activates them. So I would do that kind of as like a cleansing um, residual energy kind of thing as opposed to like trying to clear energy from the beginning. Um, so when things really get weird, again, it's tuning in with myself being like, whoa, what is this thing? Um, how can I protect, like, do I need to protect myself from it or can I actually help it in some way? Is it asking something of me? Um, and how can I transform this energy? If I can't transform it, how do I block it? <laughs> It's kind of like the process. Um, yeah, and calling upon my guides, calling upon whatever I feel like I need in that moment and just that toolbox of like, hey, how do I handle this right now? And yeah, does that make sense? It does, yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, um, what, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really have, really have the tools, but of course as an adult, like one of the main things, um, you know, and I've like, a lot of stories from readings, but it's like, uh, you know, I was once like on a flight. So I think it was going to be a seven hour flight. And I walked on and was like, okay, so I'm getting intuitive hit that there is a psychopath on this flight. Mm. Like I'm getting like images of people being murdered and I'm like walking down the aisle, like, wee, this is fun. <laughs> uh, and I like sit down and I'm like, okay, like, it's not up to me to determine who this is, because that would just be like, if I was like, I'm a psychic, who's the psychopath? Right. <laughs> like, not, you know, probably get kicked off the plane. Um, but I could feel a lot of their energy, and I could feel a lot of past energy from them. Um, you know, like, the way I see psychopaths uh, spiritually, intuitively, is basically a split, where they claim their soul when they want to and then they discard it when they don't want it and when they are like fulfilling their needs um when it comes to that so uh you know when i see serial killers things like that that's kind of like what i intuitively see and so for this flight like selfishly i was like i just want to protect myself from this person's energy and like i don't want to see these visuals for seven hours right so i like said i was like you know, I normally don't mess with public spaces, but I am just going to fill this airplane up with, like, gold light. And, like, only high is good for every passenger here. You know, like, please, you know, if someone doesn't want to feel this, please, you know, protect them from it. I kind of call in their people, and I'm like, okay. And I just ran for, like, an hour. Gold light spirals all around the airplane, just up and down, up and down. Gold light spirals around myself. And I was able to kind of breathe. It was to the point where I was like, I can't do this seven hours with whoever's on this flight, you know? And I remember texting my friend when I got off the plane, like, there was, like, a, a terrible human on that plane. <laughs> like, no doubt in my mind that the, there's someone who did something terrible. But, like, the tool that I had and what I could do in that moment was what I could do, you know? And I think, I think there's a lot of conversation around 
at least for psychics, you know, it's like, and we, we all have psychic abilities, so it's like, oh, why didn't I see that coming? Like, of course we have that in our language, that sentence. Why didn't I see that coming? You know, why didn't I, why didn't we, we see this pandemic coming? Like, it's the same thing where it's like, okay, well, you know, what's meant to be will be, firstly, and we kind of sit in that. And then there's those lovely sayings like, I am that I am, what's mine is mine, what's yours is yours. We go back to these simple spaces within ourselves that are are really connected to who we are, this idea, um, so that we can kind of not get anchored in a place of judgment because the mind will judge, you know? Like, the mind will be like, oh, my gosh, Alex, you're crazy. You thought a psychopath was on this airplane and you're running gold spirals. Like, what are you, you know, there's that, there's that part of your brain that wants to make this linear, that wants to make this grounded in something. And that's what I love about physical tools is like, okay, I'm going to light a candle and I don't, you know, like I can be irreverent about what it really means, but a candle is going to light the room up and I'm going to feel like a little bit better. I'm going to take a few deep breaths. It's like you can get these physical reflections that are really, really helpful that possibly aren't in the ether zone, right? You talked about it, crystals, right? Palo Santo, anything like that, where you're utilizing these things that are going to give you that reflection. If you're like, what are these two people talking about on this podcast? <laughs> she's talking about gold light. She's talking about bringing in her guides. like, And it's like, okay, well, if you don't want to utilize an intuitive tool or one that is of the ethers, great. Use a physical one. Like, like joking around, like put on a, put on your like, you know, winter jacket in the summer. Grocery stores are cold. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> right? Like put on those blue blockers, uh, figure out like some of these tools that you can utilize, um, you know, that possibly aren't in that imaginative, more like intuitive vein that can be really, really grounding. And again, you mentioned some of those too, but it's just interesting to me because, For a long time, I just denied, denied, denied this world. And so I just denied myself the opportunity to learn, to be connected in a different way. And I denied a lot of tools. And so then my guides were like, all right, well, let's give her these like mind blowing migraines so that she will like at least stop and listen, you know, Mm -hmm. and like. I went to doctors for it. I tried to figure it out. And these are the type of migraines where there were a few times where I would wake up at night and like my boyfriends at the time, like. Well, there was just one boyfriend, but, like, (laughs) my boyfriend at that time (laughs) made it sound like a two, which is totally fine. Uh, (laughs) We are in Asheville. Uh, So, but my boyfriend at the time would be, like, looking up a place to go, like a hospital, because I was in so much pain, and I was delirious. Like, I would, like, make up words. Like, it was, like, it was so intense. You know, and they do pass, but it's, like, I don't get headaches anymore. Period. Full stop. I maybe I think I had one the last time my sister gave birth to her now about to be oh gosh three year old son you know like and that too my sister and I are super connected so like that to me was was a connection to her birth process which which you know was intense uh you know so it's interesting to me because it's like I you know I could live in this space of like Oh, I get migraines. Oh, I get migraines. Oh, there's the story. There's the track. I get migraines. I get migraines. I watch out. I get migraines. Or I can say like, Oh, thank you. Thank you for those migraines all those years. It really helped me, but I don't need them anymore. I've got this. 
and it's like shifting the cells. And like, I'm not saying I snapped my fingers and suddenly I didn't need to, you know, like I, I, it is not that process because we're human. And so it's a different process, but it's just interesting to me to think of like, when we get around to the space of gratitude around some of these things, it's like, Oh, okay. Thank you for that. That pointed me to here. Um, you know, and so those tools kind of light the way. They light the pathway for us to get into those spaces because, you know, like, it's like the same thing. If like you're freaking out and you're upset and like, let's say I didn't know you. I saw you at the grocery store and you were like crying and I was like, oh, can you stop crying? Like, I would never do that. But, <laughs> right? Like, right. Are you going to be like, oh, yes, thank you, a wise one. I will stop crying now, right? Like, you at the in the moment, like, you understand cognitively, yes, at some point I need to stop crying. But it's like this idea, like, okay. I'm going to, like, figure out, like, how this is going to shift on my own. Like, there's no compassion in the space of, like, I'll be grateful for those tears, Rhea. <laughs> you know, like, that, that, the timing of that sentence has always got to be in this beautiful space when people have arrived there already and you can say, and, and they, not even you, they can say, you know, I'm really grateful for that time in my life because this, this, and this happened, but that's their space to arrive to. And so it's interesting too, because I could see even this tool, like where it was like, where we're like, okay, everyone, you go to the grocery store and you run a spiral. And it's like, maybe <laughs> that tool feels like a tutu to the person. And they're like, what? I'm not going to like, that, that doesn't work. That's not the outfit I want to wear. Like I want to wear like leather pants and they're and you're like, perfect. <laughs> put on your leather pants and go to the grocery store you know like it can feel different for everybody and that's where that feeling like the experience really really kind of comes into play as well totally I mean I think you know so much what of what you're saying is it doesn't matter what the thing is it's really the intention that you put behind it um and and what relates to you you know a lot of people's uh their tools are prayer and that works. If you're really putting the energy in there, it can be just as useful. Like when you, you know, when someone crosses themselves, um, before entering somewhere that can be a form of protection. If they believe in it, it protects them. So it's this intention. And that's what I would also just like to say about some of these physical tools, especially things that already have kind of, um, an association with them. Palo Santo, sage, crystals, um, I will say, you know, a lot of the different sacred smokes are aligned with um, mostly native cultures, and a lot of those materials are actually um, kind of endangered or, you know, kind of being overproduced and overused. So just be just be wary of what you're doing, and you you know, yeah, you could light some sage and it might clear the air, but if you really create a ceremony out of it and um, really slowing it down, creating, you know, maybe saying an intention before you light the candle or the sage that creates a deeper resonance that that's that you're putting that energy into that thing. And that's, what's creating the power behind it. It's the same with crystals. I mean, you could have your whole house full of crystals and spend thousands of dollars on it, but you know, a lot of these crystals are being mined from places that it's kind of sketchy. The whole, the whole, uh, business of crystals can be really sketchy and you're also tearing them from the ground. So just being really mindful of what you're using and you could have one small crystal and it'd be just as powerful, I promise, as like 20 huge crystals. 
it's really, and especially with crystals, it's what you're drawn to. It's what you um, feel like uh, is, is kind of meant to be yours. It doesn't have to be, oh, I need to buy this carnelian because it does X, Y, Z. Um, so just trusting yourself and being mindful of what you're doing, but also really it's the intention you put behind it. And I talk a lot about that in the zine, but that's so important with these tools is that you believe in them because if you don't believe in them, they're not going to work. So they really have to be something that you connect with. Um, and it does really feel like it's this sense of creating calm and shifting the situation, shifting the energy, um, and, and I mean, for me, a lot of one of my biggest tools is just to laugh, like just to giggle and be able to zoom out on a situation and realize how crazy it is. And that in itself shifts it. You know, you can still let it be just as it is and not negate um, the validity of a situation, but still laugh that it is absurd or um, kind of just break that up. So, you know, yeah, watch a silly movie. That's a great tool to break up a lot of energy, dark energy or tension. There's so many. There's literally so many. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I love I love all that you said, too, because, you know, one of the things, like, um, that, you know, you have the cedar from your um, property that you, like, have, have wrapped, and, like, yes. um, you know, thyme is really great for burning. Um, you know, I tried a little pineapple sage, and I did not like the way it smelled, so... <laughs> You know, you can grow these herbs, like, even if you live in a city, you can grow them in a pot and, um, you know, kind of have your own ceremony of burning them as well and going through that um, for yourself as well because you're connected to them, you know, that's that's kind of that, that process as well. So there's always lots of options for that too. Um, it's yeah. a really good point. So much of what we talk about and what I really am an advocate for is just figuring out what your lane is. Mm-hmm figuring out what your language is, figuring out what you're drawn to and what works for you. And the whole thing that I really try to do is just opening up possibilities for people to be where they are, but also, yeah, to figure out what helps them. And that's all that we're talking about. Tools are just, as you were saying, they're coping mechanisms. Um, They're things that help. And maybe they're physical things like therapy is a tool, right? Like having a great therapist. Um, there's so many different things, physical, non-physical, and I'm just really fascinated by how you can exist in your own world and give these things to yourself and not need to get them from other people. I mean, even my dog, he's been a huge tool for me in being able to um, unwind, to be able to process uh, you know, some of my deeper emotions and I can love him and it's never too much. And, you know, there's so much, there's so much to learn from everything. And it's more just, are you in healthy relationship with all of these things that you're using, um, in your life to help? I love that. Yeah. That feels like a good place to land. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Unless you had anything else to say, I don't want no, to. No, like I was, no. Yeah, it's just I good. agree. I think it's just, you know, if we want to speak to any specific tools that we feel would be helpful right now or that we're using right now. Um, but we've also just given so many different examples and kind of have talked about, right? Like how yeah, we, we I got mean, there. Um, a, a tool, like if I were to say one tool to utilize during the pandemic is meditate. <laughs> meditate, meditate, meditate. And 
I believe I've talked about this, but I meditate lying down. I do a body meditation. I do a very different style meditation. I don't fall asleep. So if that could go away, this idea that people fall asleep while meditating lying down, uh, I'd like to dispel that rumor. Um, and I just go into a more sympathetic or a parasympathetic uh, subconscious space. And so I combine orthobiotomy and meditation. So it can be guided meditation. It can be yoga nidra. It can be you know, uh, meditating together. There's a lot of people online that are like, Hey, we're doing a med- pop up meditation in 10 minutes, like stuff like that. So like, you know, you can, you have lots of hot tools at your disposal. Um, but the airways are super clear right now and clean. And I think it'd be a really lovely time to dive into a meditation space. It can be one minute. I'm just going to repeat that for the people in the back. It can be one minute. Heck yeah. <laughs> It doesn't have to be hours and hours a day, but meditation, huge right now. Yeah, and even my meditation, I just, a lot of it's centering in myself. I don't necessarily do the breath work and, like, go into an altered state. A lot of it's just connecting with myself. Um, And so much of even all these tools, and I guess what I would urge in this time, is doing that. Like, where are you right now? How are you being triggered? And what can you learn from that? And also just be where you are. Like, yeah, are you feeling anxious? Can you go for a walk? Are you, or, you know, do you feel like you need to have a big release? Can you do, like, some breath work? Or can you imagine um, doing that? Or can you go scream somewhere? Or, you know, just figuring out what you need, where you are right now, and trying to give that to yourself, which is just what we should be doing all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what I hope for you all the time, I guess I should say. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And cuddle a dog or a cat, cuddle I guess. I'm not a cat yeah, person. A cat. But. Yeah, or a hamster. I don't know what other people have. A yeah. ferret. A ferret. We also a didn't bunny. talk about, like, positive triggers, like dopamine triggers, which is something I guess it could be in – we've talked about it maybe oh, being gosh. an episode in itself. But Total that is a thing, too. <laughs> like, you can be upregulated in, a, in what is a seemingly positive way and then have a crash afterwards, and it's yeah. also unhealthy. Like, it can be just as unhealthy as a, you know, quote-unquote negative trigger, so. You're going to call it the do-gooder dopamine. Oh, God. The do-gooder dopamine. It's real. <laughs> that shit is real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just know when you're in your system and in your, your own space and, and when you're contributing in that way and when you're pulled into an idea of something um oh yeah I mean that's messed me up like getting too passionate about things getting carried away with things and you know I know us both talk about being an Enneagram 4 sometimes it feels good to feel good and so you I want to live in that space you know I want to live on that high and that excitement but I've started to register Ooh, maybe this is like too excited or um Uh this isn't healthy excited or just learning a lot, which is the same on the flip side, but just how do I create space for this feeling to exist and then flow? So, okay, how can I be excited about this for the next 10 minutes, but then allow myself to reground and feel what do I really feel about this thing, you know? So, I mean, yeah, yeah, and I think that's true with any emotion. I'm such an advocate of that. Even when you feel fear, even when you feel something dark, and I apologize, my dog's whining at me, so yeah, we will be closing soon, but... Even when you feel something dark like sadness, really try to feel into that space. It's a beautiful thing to be able to feel emotions deeply, and it's important in order to let them flow. And I think the real lesson is how do you create space for it and then let it go? Because that's when I find myself 
on both sides of the coin in toxic situations is when I'm feeling I like dive too much into the sadness or too much into the passionate excitement and then I lose my footing. And so that's kind of the tool too in any trigger in any direction of like an emotional spiral downwards or upwards. It's like, how can I let myself have this? Cause this is, you know, something I should feel um, and make space for, but also how do I come back to myself? Yeah. Beautiful. Dopamine scary. (laughs) Yeah. Dopamine's mean scary yeah, though. We'll it's a tricky, it's a tricky little bitch. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, yeah. So hopefully that gives you all some tools, or you know, if none of those resonated with you, hopefully it gave you a little bit of a modeling situation of how you can figure out your own. So yeah, and take care out there. Yeah, and if you want a copy of my zine, um, it is available in some stores in Asheville, and I also would be happy to ship one to you, so just reach out to me um, on my Instagram or the email provided in our bio, and I would be happy to give you one of those. Woo-woo! Yeah. Cool. All right, well. Awesome. Bye, y'all. Bye.